0: Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Hello and welcome to another episode of Midweek in the Word. Thanks for joining us on this gorgeous December day as we find ourselves heading into the end of this year. Uh, If you're a long-term listener, you know my voice, but if you're new to the podcast, you may not know me. I am Brad Myers, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries pastor and your host on the podcast And this week I'm joined by what I'm sure is a familiar voice to you if you attend or are familiar with Faith Bible Church. I'm joined by Tom Rimple, our preaching pastor. Uh, Tom, thanks for joining us again this week in what will likely be our last episode for this year.
1: Yeah, well, we probably ought to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year then, shouldn't we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Those will all pass by, listeners, before you hear from us again. And so we do hope you have a good uh, good holiday season and a good end of your year. And And hopefully we'll talk to you again in 2021. Um, but but before, before we get into that, and before we kind of speak to where we're going a little bit, we want to make sure we wrap up this year's um, podcast journey that you've taken us on, Tom. I mean, we've been talking about biblical interpretive principles on the podcast, but we've also been taking some time to review your sermon series as that begins drawing itself to a close here in the month of December. Uh, listeners, if you're new to the church and you may not know, we've been going through a sermon series Tom is entitled Route 66 Snapshots from Genesis to Revelations, as has been walking us through the whole story that the Bible tells. And, and Tom, over the last well, I don't know 3 or 4 weeks we've we've kind of drawn that story to a close and we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about major themes that we've found throughout scripture that really highlight the person and work of Christ. This week uh, you're 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 taking a different tack on that and you're kind of trying to pull some other Elements together, looking at some major pictures of Christ that we've seen all the way through the stories and books of the Bible, and so hopefully you are looking forward to that. I know this has probably been the culmination of a lot of time and and study for you, uh, but we want to come back to even with these thematic messages, uh, back to some of the the questions that we've been wrestling with all year, and we want to start by asking, what did we learn about God on Sunday last week? As you talked about the garden theme in Scripture.
1: Yeah, I think the way it started, we just we went right back to the very first verse of the Bible. And I I think that is so significant. In the beginning, God. Now, it's the beginning of a sentence. It's also the beginning of the whole story. But that God is. I think he doesn't uh, give an apologetic defense of God's existence. He doesn't argue for or get. He just declares it to be. So I think that was just a good reminder that God is and then flowing out of that, that God is able, and it, it begins to talk about His power.
0: Hmm. Very good. The preexistence of God, as mm-hmm. as theologians would talk about it. Good reminder from this, this theme on Sunday that you preached on. Uh, what about mankind? As you started tying together these bookends, uh, what's the big picture of what we've seen about mankind?
1: Well, time and again, we find that uh, though He was created as an image bearer of God, that he was He was because of rebellion, He was a fallen image bear and uh he desperately needs to be rescued so sunday was just kind of a reminder that uh, there is the tenacious pursuit of god for the fallen uh, and man is the object of his love and his pursuit
0: Mm. amen amen and uh, of course that brings us to the personal work of christ obviously so how did this message point us to christ
1: well, Sunday's uh, message was built around 10 primary markers that that tie the Scripture together. This week will be very similar, but uh, it's just a reminder, again, that uh, all signs point to Jesus and uh, that He is God's provision for man's desperate need. He is the one that it was called, as it were, Jesus the
0: Savior. Hmm. Hmm. No doubt. Well, Tom, thank you for that message. I know it was a, a big a big chunk to bite off as you try to tackle (laughs) basically all of scripture, but tying especially Genesis one and two together with revelation 21 and 22. uh, I know a very encouraging message and reminder from the whole story of the Bible on Sunday. Um, And Tom, as, as I was looking back over this last year, and evaluating the topics we'd covered if there were any additional biblical interpretation topics we still need to cover i got to say in in 49 or in 48 podcasts up to this point i was i was pretty pleased with what we had discussed with kind of what we've talked about and and listeners, we do hope it's been a helpful journey to you as well. And so, this last this last week of the podcast, this last episode before we wrap up 2020 and our Route 66 sermon series, there there was one additional theme, not so much a biblical interpretation thing, but a, a biblical theme that that laced scripture together that I wanted I wanted to make sure we discussed before bringing this year to a close. Uh, it's a pretty major theme in the Bible that's unavoidable. Um, Particularly as you read the Gospels, it's mentioned multiple times in every Gospel, though primarily in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics. Um, it's also highlighted both at the beginning and the end of Christ's earthly ministry. It comes up multiple times in the book of Acts and is mentioned in 12 of the New Testament epistles, which we've talked about on the podcast in the past. Um, and all in all, it's used well over 100 times in the New Testament. So I thought it would be worth taking some time and talking. Our, our theme this week is is the kingdom of God. Uh, that Jesus talked about a tremendous amount in his earthly ministry. and it, But it's also, Tom, a theme that a lot of people haven't studied much personally. Um, so I want to dive into this a little bit this week on the podcast. I want to try to give our people an introduction to this idea, since Jesus talked about it so much. Uh, what What is this concept, the, the kingdom of God, uh, that is so prevalent in the Bible?
1: Well, it, it's interesting. That it's it's referenced so many times but uh, often in different ways it, it's called the kingdom of god in matthew 55 times basically it's called the mm. kingdom of heaven there's some yeah. theories or ideas as to why matthew used that instead It's the kingdom of christ um uh, it's the kingdom of his son um but uh, basically it is it is that question of who is ultimately in charge who is ultimately in control who will Ultimately, rule and uh, also climaxes when you when you go from Genesis to Revelation. uh, Before whom will all humanity ultimately bow? And uh, so it 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 really is that that intertwined theme that brings out the battle between Lucifer, Satan, and Christ. Which one Mm. will ultimately be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords?
0: Mm. Very good. Very good. So, this kingdom idea obviously laces itself through Scripture. We get this, um, this God even, even as you were talking about this last week, the preexistence of God, God creating everything, establishing Himself as the ruler. Uh, but this, this rebellious faction that we find in in Revelation or in Genesis three, fighting. Um, okay, so so then, why is this theme so significant in Scripture, and and specifically, why did Christ talk about it so much in His ministry?
1: Well, it was interesting. I, I when when you gave me that question yesterday, I, I started chewing on it. And all the way back in Genesis one, he created man in his image. The image, of God He made a male and female, and then he told them that they they would rule over what hmm. God had created. So there is a there is a sense of of as it were authority established clear back in Genesis one. Uh, and then, like I said, then it, suddenly you see this this battle for. Uh, for rule and, and authority. So I, th- I think that it is significant in that we ultimately have to answer to, to someone and who will that be and, and where's the authority come from. And uh, so the, the kingdom concept, that it, it was so prevalent. I, I was using my concordance. I flipped through it just before we went on. And uh, it takes 11 pages of a massive concordance just to cover the biblical text only by reference of human uh, yeah. king, so uh, it, it is one of the major themes that holds the Bible together.
0: Hmm. Very good. Okay, so this this uh, this concept explored all the way throughout the Bible, but specifically referenced so much um, by Christ. Um, but we we want to explore how this how this lens. Uh, we want to explore this rather through the lens of biblical interpretation. So as we recognize that there's this kingdom, this, this reign, this, this kingdom of God going on in, in, in Christ's authority over creation um, and the earth, um, what, what, where is this idea first introduced in Scripture then? Obviously, you're, you're saying it, it, it's all over in the Bible yeah. um, before Christ brings it up. So where does it first come into play?
1: Well, from the human perspective, there there are several kingdoms or kings uh, identified in the book of Genesis and in Exodus, and even the Pharaoh is uh, called the king of Egypt there. But uh, when it comes down to the idea that among the people of God there would be this king, I, I think Exodus 19 in the sixth verse he said that they would be a kingdom of priests, and hmm. so you kind of get the sense of worship response to God and. Uh, authority, again, uh, the the definition of kingdom. Are we talking about um, a reign, a region, a people, you know? So he throws the idea out in Exodus 19 that that he was going to create a kingdom that would be known as a kingdom of priests to worship him. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, he warns the nation of Israel that when they look at the world around them, they're going to see that they are ruled by human Kings and they'll want one like that for themselves, but he tells them that he is willing to be their sovereign king and they could be his people, and that, that if they would accept that, that he would enormously bless them. Uh, mm-hmm. So, the principle is is set up by the Lord is uh, a almost as a warning to them.
0: Hmm. Okay. So as 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 you talked about it coming, you know God's reign coming up in in Genesis, obviously God's. God's reign being challenged and rebelled against by mankind, and then God establishes this people coming from the descendants of Abraham. You know this this people that develops into you know Exodus is like you're talking. Yeah. It develops into a kingdom. God says there's going to be a kingdom, and they Israel obviously we're familiar with. They have this national identity. They have the nation of of Israel that's established in the Old Testament, but but we don't see that pulled forward to the New Testament in quite the same way. So so how does Christ draw on what you're talking about from the Old Testament when discussing this idea during his ministry?
1: Well in his earthly ministry he he came to offer the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and himself as the as the seated king on that. He he picks up the promise made to David in uh, 2 Samuel 7 that on the throne of David there would always be one who would be seated and ultimately a descendant of David who would sit on that throne forever so Christ continues to reference back to that uh, presenting himself as that king if the people would accept him and as a result of that they would have that uh, as what they were looking for from the earthly side that kingdom established so uh it was also interesting that in uh, John 6, when he had fed the multitudes from five loaves, two fishes, that they tried to force him to become that, mm-hmm. not understanding that mm-hmm. the kingdom uh, intertwined continually. Uh, in his trial before Pilate, though, uh, Jesus said that my kingdom is not of this earth. And so he distinguished between an earthly kingdom, as they were expecting, and a spiritual kingdom as he came to offer uh hmm. took the disciples a while i, I was reading that and in acts chapter one after the the death burial resurrection and right before the ascension they said now are you going to establish the kingdom so they, they were still looking for the earthly as well as he was declaring the the spiritual so so he but he blends the two so in his teaching hmm. if you go back and read about it he, he talks about uh, reigning in the hearts of men but at the same time, promising that he would ultimately reign in his kingdom here on the earth, so there was that 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 twofold image that he was teaching.
0: Hmm. Okay, so let's let's dive into that a little bit more, um, because obviously, to your point, you know, he's you have the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We have different occurrences in the gospel where the people are like they they're ready, they're ready to anoint anoint him king, overthrow overthrow the Roman oppressors, and they, and they're ready for a physical earthly kingdom. To be a reality then, yeah. but you said Jesus said more. It's it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical kingdom, though. It, though it ultimately in the consummation will will be a physical kingdom as well. Yeah. Uh, help us understand a little bit more there about what did, what did Jesus mean by that? Because we tend to think you know we tend to think physical earthly kingdom as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think we def- default just about as quickly as man wouldn't it be great if uh, Christ would return and He would rule and the Prince of Peace would bring true peace. On the earth, but uh, he he talked about his kingdom being a a kingdom of peace, but he, he offers it as a as a peace of the soul, a, a right relationship mm-hmm. with God that that creates an internal sense of well-being. That all is well, and uh, so when he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He is is dealing with the thing that has created this conflict, and that is. Uh, the issue of, of sin and separation from his father, from a holy God. So he, he blends all that in. Uh, and, and, and again, they, they are continually trying to make him bring about a kingdom because they think if he's the king, they can overthrow the oppression of Rome. And ultimately, every king of the universe will bow before him, but not before he has dealt with the spiritual separation of humanity.
0: Hmm. So, in a lot of ways, it's one of those classic examples of an already but not yet. You yep. know, Jesus could say His kingdom had come because he he was bringing the defeat of of sin and death in the hearts, that spiritual reality of his his reign in the hearts of men. Um, but it was not going to be fully realized until He finally returns and and rules here on earth physically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. they, they they shout out, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, Save now, Save now, and you know, He came to be that Savior, yeah. uh, but they're thinking in terms of Save now, which means Save us as a nation from the oppression of other nations. He's thinking, Save you from the domination of sin in your heart and your life. And so, so you kind mm-hmm. of have that that dual picture going on. And I, I was saying, you know, Paul picked up on that in Colossians one thirteen when he says that he is. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness yeah. into the kingdom of His beloved Son. So you've got that that spiritual transformation that takes place. And I was thinking in Philippians three, you know, he he said, talks about our citizenship. So as as citizens of a kingdom, our kingdom's not on this earth, but it's in mm-hmm. heaven where we wait for a Savior. So again, the already but not yet kind of principle.
0: Hmm. And Christ himself, I just can't help but think, gives us a great example of that in, in in the parable. And so many of the parables of Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. And he gives us that in the example of the parable of the mustard seed, you know, where the kingdom starts out small, but it really grows and grows. And it's kind of an image of, of where things are going there, <laughs> where it hasn't fully been realized yet even.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and know. You know, again, it sets up,
0: uh,
1: we, we are not, <laughs> how do I put that, you know, the the church in its existence today is not the fulfillment of the promise of a a kingdom as it were, but it it leads us into revelation. And ultimately, uh, he will be King of kings, Lord of lords, and all the kings of the nations will come Mm -hmm. just like the kings did during Solomon's reign and during Hezekiah's reign, and, and they will bring gifts and honor and respect. So from from the fall in Genesis three, when man's basically saw fit to bow to Lucifer, to Satan. And then you, you know, you get into the temptation of Christ where Satan says, you know, there's a way you can have the world bow before you without going to the cross. All you have to do is bow before me. (laughs) Mm. You have that, that battle for uh, lordship and kingdom. And then finally in revelation, you know, he is seated upon the throne and the Kings of the world will come to him. But in between yeah. there is the battle that is won at the cross.
0: Hmm. You know, it's funny that just strikes me as you're saying it how how interesting the temptation of Jesus was there, Lucifer offering the kingdoms of this world, and especially in light of your one of your your highlight applications from the Book of Revelation, where where Revelation is telling his people to wait. Yeah. Um, Satan's temptation for Jesus, there really wasn't whether or not Jesus was going to get the kingdoms. We know in Revelation he did, he does. Uh, but really, it was a when you know it was a rushing God's plan, a too early uh, rather than waiting for the appointed time when he yeah. would receive those kingdoms.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, and even again, this this whole theme tying the scripture together. It uh, the, the other word that is thrown in on the discussion is the word for throne. And when you read the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. there is there is a constant reminder that there is one who is seated upon the throne and the throne of the Lamb. So he, he wants to close it out, make sure we understand that God's ultimate ruling authority is demonstrated in this one called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and his own son, Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, we, we've already spoken a little bit um, um, to the idea that that we like the like the the disciples like the people of Israel, um, so quickly run to the physical reality of this when Jesus was speaking to something, um, bigger even more significant than that, uh, which seems to relate to to kind of the last question I want to ask, and that is, what should we understand of the significance of this? What what should it? What should the significance be to us today? Understanding the kingdom of God.
1: Well, I I think that it's not. I don't think it's a theological issue that he intended to keep uh, so obscure that Christians would be fighting all the time
0: mm-hmm. to understand
1: it. But I, I think it's a sense that there is that that the king's responsibility was to care for the well-being of his citizens, and that that we as believers we know that ultimately Christ is the victorious king. Just just like uh, one a king would go into battle. And then he would return with all of the captives that he had taken in war. So you know, Paul talked to the Corinthians about the triumphal entry. That, that we we rejoice in the comfort of the fact that our that our King has won the battle, and we are on His side. And uh, and therefore, as His citizens, we can have a sense of peace and well-being because our King takes care of us. I think also mm-hmm. uh, because we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into His kingdom. We, We are no longer subjects, and we're no longer required to bow ourselves to Satan and all of his uh, temptations and all of his uh, battles.
0: Mm Hmm. Really good encouragement for us, I think, in that, just that significance um, of this idea that Jesus talked about so much. Well, listeners, I I would reiterate some of what Tom, Tom said there as far as I... This is, this is a subject that, that does get a significant amount of writing among theologians, and there's some debate on what exactly was meant by the kingdom. Uh, I know we haven't answered all your questions, but let me, let me attempt to try and summarize some of what you know, Tom and I have been talking about here today. This idea of the kingdom of God is really prevalent throughout Scripture, and so it's important to, to keep that in mind, that, that God as the king has a kingdom, has an area that he reigns over a people that he reigns over and Satan and our rebellion separated us from God's intention for us. And so in a real significant way, Christ's entry back onto the scene, talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven being at hand was, was so true because the King had arrived, you know, the King was, was, was there. And so the kingdom had arrived with his presence, but, but only kind of in a partial way in an already, but not yet way, where that will someday be fully realized, and, and what we've only known in a spiritual sense will become a reality with the new heaven and the new earth. And, and hopefully that's an encouragement to our hearts, so that even though, like I said, theologians disagree on some of the nuances of this idea, it should be an incredible reminder uh, to us that the king is sitting on his throne, um, and one day we will see that kingdom fully realized for ourselves as well. Tom, any, any final thoughts on this subject for our listeners?
1: Well, I, whenever the king would come into a city or into an area, the citizens would—they uh, would do everything they could to prepare the way for him. I mean, even Isaiah forty, you know, he'd level the roads, uh, you know, take the tops of the hills down, fill in the valleys. Um, hmm. There was a sense of excitement and expectation. Um, if, if our if our king has already won the battle and he's promised to return soon, I think that's. We we ought to be living in constant expectation and excitement. I think as we've talked mm. on Philippians three, you know, mm. looking for the return of the one who comes from heaven.
0: Mm. Amen to that. Especially as we find ourselves in the Advent season right now, where we get to celebrate Christ's first coming and anticipate His second coming. Yeah. Good encouragement. Thank you for that, Tom. Well, Tom, we also want to make sure we're moving forward because you've got one or two more. I think, if I remember correctly, we've got. You've got your last kind of thematic message on Route 66, and then an Advent message before Christmas, and then we'll do one more where I'll try and tie up some loose ends of this year. Uh, So this coming Sunday, you've got what you're calling the Portraits of Christ in your Route 66 sermon series, another kind of thematic message where you're trying to highlight a lot of those elements that we saw clear through the Bible that pointed us to Christ um, let's, let's try and prepare our listeners a little bit to hear that message. What are you looking forward to speaking on in that subject on Sunday?
1: Well, we've been 12 months on this journey and I think what I'm looking forward to Sunday is just those aha uh, moments. We'll rediscover what we had once seen the obvious and mm. forgotten. So mm. it's nothing, nothing going to be new or novel, but it'll just be a reminder of where we've been and what we have seen.
0: Hmm. <laughs> it's it's that classic adage where you know we have to hear things seven times before oh. we remember them <laughs> right and so we're coming to back to some of those significant things hopefully that'll be an encouragement for our listeners uh any interpretive questions you're wrestling with on this subject
1: no probably the preparation side on this is mostly to edit it down to a, <laughs> a meal. so mostly uh, just rethinking the whole narrative story and uh and uh, where did we see uh, uh, that unexpected sign that said hm there is one coming uh so that that's where the struggle is right now is just refining a bit yeah,
0: it. yeah. Yeah, listeners, uh, on on that subject, uh, think back a little bit to one of our early episodes as you listen to Tom's message on Sunday, he's talking a lot about the subjects of type and anti-type mm-hmm. that we mentioned. Uh, some of those are going to come up again in his message on Sunday. So, if you don't remember that episode, go back and check that out in the in the catalog of of episodes. We did a we did a podcast on that subject and a lot of those ideas are going to come back in Tom's message, I'm sure as we walk through the, the books of the Bible and some of the images of Christ we saw. Finally, Tom, how can we prepare our hearts to hear this message on Sunday?
1: Well, in, in light of the Christmas season and all, it probably doesn't need to be uh, to be reminded. But in John 12, it was interesting, the Gentiles came to one of the disciples and they just simply made this statement. They said, sir, we would see Jesus. And I think that would be just, I, I just, you know, prepare your heart to come and say, I just want to see him. Again, and you know, I was want to see hmm. him in a fresh way.
0: Hmm. Amen. Amen. That should be a good theme. Uh, to enjoy on Sunday. Well, listeners, thanks again for joining us for this episode. And if if you are following along in our weekly reading, the uh, the read through the Bible um, passages wrapped up in your your bookmark or whatever you've been following along on our website this last week. Um, but if you're looking for a passage to be reading in anticipation of Tom's message on Sunday, we would encourage you to check out Luke 24. 13 through 49, where Jesus shows how all of scripture is written about him. Uh, secondarily, if this podcast or episode has been helpful to you, remember to to share it with someone, to comment on it, or to leave us a rating to help other people find the podcast. And lastly, I just want to mention before we officially wrap up for this year and for 2020, um, the podcast will continue into 2021. We're taking a short break for the holidays, and we'll resume again in January. Uh, we're tossing around a few different ideas for what that might look like, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spill the beans yet on what I'm hoping to do in January. Uh, it's gonna be a little bit of a shift from what we've been doing in the past, but we're really excited about where that's going to be going in 2021 as well. So we'd encourage you, even though you won't see new podcasts these next couple of weeks over the Christmas holiday and New Year's, we will be bringing that back online. So don't unsubscribe. Don't leave us. We'll be coming back to you again in January, and we're excited for that. Lastly, just know uh, that as the year wraps up and as you continue to study God's Word, we will be praying for you and for your interpretation of it. And uh, though you won't see us again next week, we hope you join us again next year in 2021 for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.